0: War in Waffen World. Luftwaffe launches planet punch. And new horizons reach farthest known object. Angst und Ax. Also on the home front. What's this about the Americans massacring the Germans? We thought they were supposed to be on the same side. That's the news. Stay tuned for more about the secret life of asteroids.
1: News Bang Poking the Hornet's Nest of Hypocrisy. 1945.
0: On this day in 1945, the Allies decided they'd had enough of the Axis's nonsense and served up a dish best eaten cold Revenge. The Waffen SS or Nazi super soldiers had been causing mischief in Belgium, masquering American POWs like they were going out of fashion. Enter the Yanks who stormed into Chenonia with a vengeance, gunning down 80 Wehrmacht soldiers like clay pigeons at a Hitler Youth Fairground.
2: Eyewitnesses described the scene as like saving Private Ryan, but with more Teutonic swearing. One survivor, Helmut von Schenko, said, We wuz just following orders to be total Schweinhunds. The Americans weren't having any of it though, they handed out more justice than Judge Dredd at Nuremberg on speed.
0: The incident was hushed up until 1947 when someone blabbed at a boozy press conference. The Allies claimed it was self-defense, the Germans called it a bit much. Whatever the truth, one thing's for sure, war is hell. And sometimes hell comes with extra sauce.
1: 1945.
0: Staying with the Second World War now, and on this day in 1945, the Germans decided they hadn't buggered up the war enough and launched Operation Bodenplatte. This, translated to Operation Upside-Down Cake, was an attempt to make the Allies go Ach, mein arse! by bombing their airfields. The plan hatched by Göring, who was high on schnapps and cough syrup, involved sending 10,000 million planes to give our boys a proper thrashing. The dastardly Huns hoped to catch us Brits with our Spitfires down during legendary pie-eating contest, the Battle of the Bulge, but we were having none of it, our boys scrambled faster than a scrambled egg cooked by Steve Cram on Clarky Cat. In retaliation, we sent up our finest, Biggles, Biggles's mum and that one chap from Dad's army who was always polishing his revolver.
2: Those Fockers were everywhere, recalled one eyewitness. In the end, it was a draw, both sides claiming victory because no one wanted to admit they'd been shot at by someone in Lederhosen.
1: Edited 2019. In space, the final frontier,
0: one probe boldly went where no probe had gone before. Meet New Horizons, NASA's plucky spacecraft on a mission to Arrokoth, a trans-Neptunian object so far away it's practically in next week. Araketh, or Klingon's Bunyan as it's known in Star Trek, is made of two planets smushed together like cosmic scones.
2: New Horizons flew past at warp factor bloody quick. Beaming back data and some holiday snaps... The images revealed Katooine to be an icy world with low gravity and eccentric orbit, much like my Auntie Mildred after her third sherry.
0: NASA boffins are over the moon, or at least the Kuiper belt, excitedly analysing the data for clues about our solar system's early days. Meanwhile, the rest of us Earthlings remain Earthbound, wondering if there's intelligent life out there, or if we're still alone in this vast, ridiculous universe
1: news bang a dose of truth served in a glass of reality
0: presenting the first day of 2024's weather forecast shakanaka giles offers a misty start a chilly middle and a frosty end
3: hello there we're approaching a brand new year and a brand new weather forecast starting in the southeast where it will be a misty day tomorrow with a droplet density of about 50,000 per spherical inch. Over to East Anglia and the Midlands, it'll be a cold day, about five degrees, the sort of chill you might feel when you've just opened the fridge on a frosty morning. And finally, into the north of England and Scotland, a frosty day tomorrow with snow showers in the morning. The snow will fall as if Mother Nature's dusting the landscape with icing sugar. In summary then, a misty start, a chilly middle and a frosty end. And that's all the weather for tomorrow, the first day of 2024. Stay warm and dry everyone.
1: 1945.
0: As the world reeled from the global conflict of World War II, a dark chapter unfolded in Belgium. American soldiers retaliated against the Waffen-SS for the Malmady Massacre, resulting in the death of around 80 Wehrmacht prisoners in Chenonje, Belgium. The Chenon Massacre, a grim footnote in the Battle of the Bulge, now takes center stage. Our reporter, Brian Bastable, is on the ground, digging deeper into the story. Brian, what have you unearthed?
4: The wind is up, the rain is down, and the war is all around. The skies are thick with the roar of bombers and the ground is alive with the crackle of gunfire. The village of Shenony is under siege and the enemy is at the gates. The Wehrmacht, those fearsome warriors of the Third Reich, are closing in and the Allies are fighting for their lives. The sky above is a canvas of chaos, a symphony of sound and fury. The streets are slick with blood and the air is thick with the stench of death. The battle rages on, and the fate of the village hangs in the balance. The allies are outnumbered, but they are not outmatched. They fight with the ferocity of cornered badgers, and they will not go down without a fight. The once thriving town of Shenonye is now a war-torn wasteland, and the people who lived here are either dead or have fled, but mostly dead. But amidst all the chaos and destruction, there are moments of humanity. I see a soldier carrying a wounded comrade to safety, and another offering water to a thirsty enemy. These are the moments that remind us that even in the darkest of times, there is still hope. But even in the face of such horror, the human spirit remains unbroken. The soldiers here continue to fight not just for themselves, but for their families, their countries and their way of life. As I stand here, I can't help but feel a sense of awe at the strength and resilience of the human spirit. We are the soldiers of the free world, the warriors of the light, and we will not go quietly into the night. Brian Bastable, Newsbang, reporting from the front lines of World War II. 2011
0: In a tragic start to the year 2011, a heinous suicide bombing struck outside a Coptic Orthodox church in Alexandria, Egypt, during a New Year service. The despicable act claimed the lives of 23 individuals, marking the deadliest assault on Egypt's Coptic Christians in a decade. As the largest Christian population in the Middle East, the Coptic Orthodox Church has its headquarters in Alexandria, a city steeped in historical significance and industrial importance. To shed light on the aftermath of this tragic event, we turn to our
5: correspondent Ken Shit. Good evening, degenerates. As we usher in the new year of 2021, let's not forget the unholy way it began for our brothers and sisters in Alexandria, Egypt. A group of twisted bastards unleashed a suicide bombing, that tore through the crowd like a hot knife through butter 23 innocent souls were snuffed out in an instant their lives cut short by the cold, heartless hands of evil This was no random act of violence It was a calculated strike against Egypt's Coptic Christians one of the largest Christian populations in the Middle East This was the deadliest act of violence against Egypt's Coptic Christians in a decade and it sends a chilling message to the world religious intolerance is alive and well. The Coptic Orthodox Church is the largest population of Christians in the Middle East, and they have their headquarters right here in Alexandria, a city known for its historical significance and industrial importance. But tonight, all we can see is blood and ashes, where once there was hope and faith. This is Ken Shit, reminding you that no matter how much progress we think we've made as a society, there will always be dark forces seeking to tear us apart. Let this tragedy serve as a reminder that we must stand together against hatred and bigotry, or else risk losing everything we hold dear.
0: 1965, The year is 1965 and a Marxist-Leninist political party, the People's Democratic Party of Afghanistan, emerges on the scene. The country is soon dotted with various republics, like the Republic of Afghanistan and the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. The party, however, is no monolith. It's split into hardline and moderate factions. Now Hardeman Pesto takes us on a journey through the complex tapestry of Afghan politics. Good evening, Martin.
4: I'm here with our special guest, the esteemed historian Professor Hamid. We're discussing the birth of the People's Democratic Party of Afghanistan in 1965,
6: Professor, can you tell us about the party's early days? Certainly, Hardiman. The party was founded by Nur Muhammad Taraki, Babrak Kamal, and Anahita Ratibzad. It was a Marxist-Leninist party that sought to overthrow
0: the monarchy and establish a socialist state. Pesto, I hope you're not going to embarrass us again with your mispronunciations and misunderstandings. Of course not, Martin. I've done my homework this time. Professor, can you tell us about the divisions within the
6: party? Yes, the party was divided into hardline and moderate factions. The hardliners, led by Taraki, advocated for immediate revolution, while the moderates, led by Karmal, favoured a more gradual approach. And what about the different republics in Afghanistan's history? There was the Republic of Afghanistan, which was established in 1973 and lasted until 1978. Then there was the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan, which was established in 1978 and lasted until 1992. Pesto, I'm bursting with news, can we wrap this up? Finally, can you tell us about the impact of the party on Afghanistan's history? The party played a significant role in shaping Afghanistan's political landscape. It helped establish a republic in Afghanistan and advocated for socialist policies. However, its divisions and the subsequent power struggles led to instability and conflict in the country.
0: Yes, thank you, Professor. Let's hope Pesto
1: learned something. Newsbang, the daily dose of dose-o-dynamite. Tonight, Penelope
0: Windchime takes us on a journey to a remote island, a nature reserve that has been charmingly hidden away from the world's prying eyes.
7: Enviroscoop Scoop with me, Penelope Windchime. Cast your minds back, my eco-warriors, to the year of 1739, a time when the world was as fresh as a daisy's morning yawn. On this very day, French explorer Jean-Baptiste Charles Bouvet de Lozier stumbled upon Bouvet Island, a lonely speck of wilderness in the vast oceanic abyss, so remote that even the most adventurous seagulls require a map and a packed lunch to find it. This sub Antarctic volcanic gem is now a Norwegian nature reserve, where penguins waddle in tuxedoed elegance and seals lounge like slippery dukes of the icy realm. Monsieur Bouvet de l'Ozier, with his sea salted beard and compass always pointing to adventure, later became governor of the Mascarene Islands, presumably because he was so good at finding places no one else could. And let us not forget that this island is not part of the Antarctic treaty system. It's an independent oasis of frosty freedom. So tonight, as we snuggle in our eco-friendly homes, let us raise our recycled glasses to Bouvet Island. May your volcanic peaks forever pierce the misty shrouds of obscurity. I'm Penelope Winchheim, whispering sweet nothings to Mother Earth.
0: In a sobering reminder of the fragility of human endeavours, we turn back the clock to 2007, and the tragic fate of Adam Air Flight 574. Polly Beep will guide us through this harrowing tale from history's ledger.
8: Alright, our journey back in time to 2007 brings us to the chilling incident of Adam Air Flight 574. It was a dark day indeed when the pilots, in their haste to troubleshoot the navigation system, accidentally disconnected the autopilot. This resulted in the tragic loss of 102 lives as the aircraft plummeted into the sea off Poliwali, Indonesia, a somber remainder of the importance of vigilance in the skis. Now let's hop into the past a bit more. The year is 1914. The St. Petersburg Tampa airboat line was the first scheduled airline using a fixed wing aircraft, providing service between St. Petersburg and Tampa in Florida, a forerunner to the drug line's run today. Now back to the present. The roads are a riot. The A1 is as twisty as a corkscrew and the M25 has gone walkabout. But don't worry, it's just taking a stroll to Norwich. Remember, if you're behind a cow on the M6 in Liverpool, it's best to keep your distance. And if you're on the M4 westbound near Junction 12, you might just spot the hangar giratory system taking a grand tour towards Malmesbury. But remember, always keep your wits, and remember, at the next roundabout, take the third exit to adventure.
1: Adventure to Durston, 2019. Next, Calamity Prenderville,
0: our tech reporter, takes us on a journey to the outer reaches of our solar system, where British innovation has reached for the stars. This is Newsbang.
9: Today, in the annals of British space exploration, we've achieved the unthinkable. We've flown our trusty space probe, New Horizons, past Arrokoth, a trans-Neptunian object located in the Kuiper Belt. This isn't just any object, mind you. It's a contact binary, a cosmic dance of two planetesimals swirling in a low orbital inclination and eccentricity. It's like watching a slow motion ballet in the cold, dark depths of space. This achievement is a testament to British innovation, a beacon of hope in a world often clouded by uncertainty. Who would have thought that a small island nation could reach such heights, or in this case, such depths?
7: Arakoth, a contact binary, is composed of two planetesimals, which sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie. But fear not, for this isn't the work of Hollywood magic, but the result of British ingenuity. Our engineers have been hard at work, creating a spacecraft that can travel to the farthest reaches of our solar system. New Horizons, with its low orbital inclination and eccentricity, flew by Arakoth, capturing images and data of this fascinating object. The mission was a resounding success, further solidifying Britain's reputation as a pioneer in space exploration.
9: So, there you have it, folks. Another day, another British triumph in the realm of science and technology. Who knows what we'll conquer next? Perhaps a British spacecraft will set its sights on the nearest star. Only time will tell. This is Calamity Prenderville signing off from Newsbang. Keep reaching for the stars and remember, the sky's not the limit. It's just the beginning.
1: Newsbang, the invisible hand of truth squeezing the facts. Sandy O'Shaughnessy,
0: Newsbang's royal correspondent delves into the lives of Gala Placidia and Macremboli Macrembolitissa, two powerful women who made their mark on history as queens and regents.
10: Nice and ah, and a very good evening to you all. Welcome, welcome, and thrice welcome to the royal corner of the Newsbang airwaves. It's your old mate, Sandy O'Shaughnessy, here to regale you with tales of kings and queens, emperors and empresses. The clock strikes six, the bells chime, and it's time for a little historical jaunt through the annals of time. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of monarchies.
3: Ah.
10: (laughs) Now, let's travel back in time to the year 417. Galla Placidia was forced into marriage with Constantius III by her brother Honorius. Ah, yes, love at first sight or rather love at first political manoeuvring. But Gala Placidia was no wallflower. Ah. <laughs> she held various positions of power and influence throughout her life, queen consort to the Visigoth King Atolf and Regent during the early reign of Valentinian II. Now that's what I call a woman who knows how to make her mark on history. Ah <laughs> Fast forward a 1,000 years or so to 1068, Eudokia Makrembolitissa married Romanos IV Diogenes, who became the Byzantine emperor. And just like that, she found herself in the midst of a powerful force in the Mediterranean world. No small feat for any woman. She acted as regent for her son, but was forced to resign multiple times. Talk about being a queen in a man's world. Ah, <laughs> But let's not forget our dear Romanos himself. He tried to strengthen the Byzantine military, but ended up getting captured and defeated in battle. It just goes to show that even emperors can have their downfalls, sometimes quite literally. (laughs) Speaking of downfalls, I received an interesting letter from Patrick in Limerick today. He writes, Dear Sandy, I stumbled upon an old family heirloom today, a rusty old sword. Do you think it could be worth anything? Well, Patrick, only time will tell if that sword is more than just a dusty relic from your family's past. But one thing is certain, history is full of surprises waiting to be discovered. Ah. (laughs) And as we wrap up this royal rendezvous for tonight, remember that every story has its own unique twist, whether it's about kings or commoners alike. So keep those letters coming and share your own tales of history with us here at Newsbang Towers, until we meet again in tales and tunes. See you later, alligator, in a while, crocodile. Cheerio for now.
1: The for
0: Welcome back to Newsbang, where we turn the mundane into the magnificent. Today, we journey back to the halcyon days of 1785, when the times a British daily national newspaper first graced the world with its presence. Based in London, it has been a bastion of journalistic integrity and centre-right political thought ever since. And now, to delve deeper into the intriguing history of the Times, we turn to our business correspondent, Perkins Stornaway.
11: And so, on this day in history, January 1st, 1785, the Times, a British daily national newspaper, was first published. It began its illustrious run in the land of tea and crumpets. Dogger, slight or moderate, the Times is now considered to have a centre-right political position. It is published by Times Media, a subsidiary of News UK, which is owned by News Corp. Viking, slight or moderate The newspaper has been in circulation for 242 years and is still going strong. Shannon, occasionally poor. Thames, fair. Provisions for bad drugs? Trebled, 155 million pounds. Shannon, occasionally rough. Fisons, profits down 618 million percent. Fastnet, mainly fair. On the foreign exchanges, the pound down 0.6 of a cent, Rockall, becoming variable, one German, Fenig 0.4 and a half. Chromaty, east or northeast, three or four. However, the future of the times remains uncertain. Fastnet, southwest, becoming cyclonic, five or six. With the rise of digital media and the decline of print newspapers, the Times may soon find itself in a rather precarious position. Lundy, Fair. Fair Isle, south, veering southwest five or six. But for now, the Times continues to soldier on, bringing news to the masses. Trafalgar, fair, occasionally moderate. And so, as we celebrate the 242nd anniversary of the Times, Let's remember the long and storied history of this venerable institution, Rockall, West or Northwest, Three or Four, and with that, Business, 1773.
0: In a revelation that has left both the hymnal and the historical communities in a state of mild surprise, it has been discovered that the cherished hymn Amazing Grace was first belted out in a prayer meeting in Olney, England, back in the year of our Lord, 1773. Composed by John Newton, a man who presumably knew a thing or two about grace, the hymn has since become a staple in both religious and secular settings, particularly in the United States. And now, to discuss the profound impact of this hymn on the people of Olney, we turn to our roving reporter, Smithsonian Moss.
7: Now at this point of the evening we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us.
12: Whoa-ho! Y'all ready for some high-octane, grade-A, 18th-century culture, babes? Well, buckle up, because we're about to take a trip back in time to the year 1773 when the hymn Amazing Grace first graced the ears of the good people of Olney, England. Now, let me tell you, Olney is no ordinary market town in Buckinghamshire. No, sir. It's the birthplace of one of the most iconic hymns in Christian history, and we're here to celebrate— So, who's the mastermind behind this timeless masterpiece? Why, it's none other than John Newton, a man who knew a thing or two about redemption and grace. You see, Newton was once a slave trader, but after a life-changing encounter with a storm at sea, he found Jesus and dedicated his life to spreading the good word. And spread it he did. Amazing Grace quickly became a staple in churches across the land, and its powerful message of forgiveness and redemption resonated with people of all walks of life. But it's not just the religious community that's embraced this hymn. In fact, Amazing Grace has been used in everything from movies and TV shows to political speeches and even funerals. It's like the ultimate feel-good anthem, y'all. So, what's the big deal about this hymn, you ask? Well, let me tell you. It's more than just a catchy tune. Amazing grace is a symbol of hope and redemption, a reminder that no matter how far we've strayed, there's always a chance for us to find our way back. Wahoo! That's it for today's time-traveling culture report, folks. But remember, no matter where or when you are, the message of amazing grace will always be relevant and inspiring. So keep your heads up and your hearts open, and let's keep spreading the love, y'all. That's all for now, but stay tuned for more culture updates. And don't forget to follow me on social media for all the latest news, gossip, and shenanigans.
1: News bang biting the hand that feeds it lies.
0: All right, it's time to wrap up tonight's show with a look at tomorrow's headlines. The Times, King Kong claims victory in Vietnam. The Telegraph, Yanks and Aussies triumph in Papua, New Jersey. The Guardian, Washington repels British assault at Assenpink Creek. The Mail, Washington's boys ream asses pink. And finally, The Sun, Washington trounces British bums. And The Mirror, George washing machine takes on redcoats. That's it for tonight, folks. Remember, tomorrow is another day and another chance to read the papers. Good night.
1: Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.